0: This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of neonatal forearm compartment syndrome from the trauma section on orthobullets.com. Forearm compartment syndrome in a neonate presents differently from adults, as it does not present with the classic P's of pain, paresthesias, pulselessness, and pallor. As far as the epidemiology of neonatal forearm compartment syndrome, this is very rare and is limited to case reports. The largest case series is 24 cases over 20 years. As far as the demographics, the age bracket is neonates during the first 24 hours of life. The body location is typically the forearm, wrist or hand in an equal right to left distribution. It is typically unilateral and the dorsum is more common than volar. Risk factors include hypercoagulable states like polycythemia, prematurity, oligohydramnios, maternal diabetes, multiple gestation. Abnormal lie, and neonatal respiratory distress. As far as the pathophysiology, the mechanism of injury is possible birth trauma. Idiopathic is the most common. Keep in mind that the exact mechanism is unknown, although both extrinsic and intrinsic factors are believed to be involved. Extrinsic factors include mechanical compression with the forearm being trapped between structures. This can include fetal posture, oligohydramnios, umbilical cord loops, amniotic band constriction, and direct birth trauma. Intrinsic factors like clotting can be a hypercoagulable state producing arterial slash venous compression. As far as the prognosis of neonatal forearm compartment syndrome, the natural history of the disease is that it's usually missed initially and then detected only after complications ensue. The most important negative prognostic variable is that a missed diagnosis has the worst prognosis. As far as outcomes with treatment, early fasciotomy has the best prognosis. Patients with neonatal forearm compartment syndrome all present with some sort of a skin lesion. However, there is a wide spectrum from bullae, erythema, ulcerative lesions, distal digital slash hand edema, eschar, or fingertip gangrene. And remember that these lesions present at birth. On physical exam, inspection should reveal these skin lesions as well as bullous swelling and or erythema. There may be nerve involvement. For example, the radial nerve and the PIN are typically more involved than the ulnar nerve or the median nerve, which typically have equal involvement. Finally, these patients may have a lack of spontaneous limb movement. As far as imaging, recommended views on radiographs include an AP and a lateral forearm radiograph. Findings can include skeletal changes that happen late, and these are more evident when the child grows and this specifically manifests as fysial distortion from widening, flaring, premature closure, angular deformity, and or shortening. You may also see limb length discrepancy. An MRI can be indicated for late presenting cases without edema, but with extensive full thickness necrosis and extreme contractures. And in these cases, fasciotomy is likely to be futile. MRI may help delineate the full extent of the underlying necrosis and guide muscle debridement. Other studies to get include certain labs, and the indications are to rule out infection and or cellulitis, and as far as findings, CBC, ESR, and CRP can be within normal values. As far as compartment pressure, this is not done in neonates because there's no standards for acceptable pressure gradients, that is the delta value, and the neonates' diastolic blood pressure at birth is typically less than 40 millimeters of mercury, and a small increase in compartment pressure rapidly impairs muscle perfusion. Differentials for neonatal forearm compartment syndrome include cellulitis, necrotizing fasciitis, and vascular injuries. Distinguishing features for cellulitis is that the mother does not show signs of infection and has negative cultures. Necrotizing fasciitis is most easily mistaken for compartment syndrome and is only diagnosed confirmed at operation. Distinguishing features of necrotizing fasciitis is that it only involves the skin and subcutaneous tissue and is treated with excision, not fasciotomy. Vascular injuries are associated with brachial plexus lesions, and distinguishing features are their absent pulses and Doppler studies. Treatment of neonatal form compartment syndrome can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management can include anticoagulants and thrombolytics, and this is indicated in hypercoagulable states. Operative options include emergent immediate fasciotomy or salvage surgery. Emergency immediate fasciotomy is usually indicated when there is a diagnosis of compartment syndrome. The technique involves releasing the volar, dorsal, and mobile wad components, releasing the carpal tunnel, and these patients may need a split thickness skin graft. As far as outcomes, the best outcomes are achieved if diagnosis and treatment is done within the first 24 hours of life. Salvage surgery is indicated as late sequelae of neonatal forearm compartment syndrome. The technique involves neurolysis, debridement of dead muscle, contracture release, soft tissue resurfacing, angular correction, limb lengthening, as well as a staged flexor-slash-extensor tendon reconstruction. Keep in mind that outcomes of salvage surgery are inferior to early fasciotomy. Complications to keep in mind include ischemic muscle contracture, fingertip gangrene, ficeal distortion, and nerve dysfunction. Treatment of ischemic muscle contractures are muscle debridement and contracture release. Ficeal distortion is treated with limb lengthening as well as angular correction, and nerve dysfunction is treated with neurolysis. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over one question to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. Your call to the neonatal intensive care unit to see a consult. The child was born six hours ago at 34 weeks of gestation. The pregnancy was complicated by oligohydramnios. The neonatologist is concerned about the appearance of his left forearm. The neonatologist is concerned about the appearance of his left forearm, which shows a swollen erythematous forearm. Laboratory workup shows polycythemia. What is the diagnosis and next best step? And the choices are one, cellulitis and intravenous antibiotics, two, necrotizing fasciitis and debridement, three, necrotizing fasciitis and hyperbaric oxygen, four, neonatal compartment syndrome and needle manometry, and five, neonatal compartment syndrome and fasciotomy. The correct answer to this question is five, neonatal compartment syndrome and fasciotomy. So the child in the question stem has neonatal forearm compartment syndrome, so fasciotomy is indicated. To quickly review, neonatal compartment syndrome is rare. The diagnosis is often made retrospectively after complications have occurred. There is no obvious etiology, although both extrinsic and intrinsic causes are thought to contribute. Extrinsic factors include mechanical compression from fetal posture, oligohydramnios, umbilical cord loops, amniotic band constriction, or direct birth trauma. Intrinsic factors include hypercoagulable state in the neonate leading to intraarterial slash intravenous thrombosis, A skin lesion is pathognomonic. The lesions start at birth as bolus-slash-ulcerative lesions with distal edema. Early treatments includes emergency fasciotomy. Ragland et al. reviewed neonatal forearm compartment syndrome in 24 patients, all presented with a sentinel forearm skin lesion, ranging from mild skin and subcutaneous lesions to distal tissue loss and fingertip gangrene. Only one patient had emergency fasciotomy, and only this child had a salvageable functional limb. Misdiagnosis leads to Volkmann's contracture, muscle infarction, intrinsic paralysis, and loss of hand sensibility. Allen et al. describe a case report of neonatal compartment syndrome initially thought to be amniotic band syndrome. They reiterate that it is often misdiagnosed. They emphasize that early diagnosis and fasciotomy may save the limb, but unfortunately, in many cases, the timing and duration of initial insult and the extent of damage is unknown. That's all for this review about neonatal forearm compartment syndrome. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.